What's up? Welcome back to Splitting Gas Podcast. Uh, we're me and Marty Ryan running duos today. Uh, how you doing, Mart? Doing well. Good to be back after a two-week break and uh, back on the horn, yeah. Let's yeah, and um, it's officially March, first week of March. The weather is phenomenal. The sun is shining, and uh, we're looking down the barrel of a tremendous month of college basketball. I mean, Saturday alone, tomorrow, there's going to be, I mean, it's an incredible slate. Dayton's got Davidson. I We both have tickets to that game, so we'll be watching it live. That's, I mean, got big A-10 tournament implications. Um, just, I mean, Duke, Carolina, There's it's going to be an absolute slate of, uh, of sports tomorrow. Weather's going to be beautiful. It's getting warm everywhere in the country. Everybody's spirits are up, so it's going to be a great month and the one thing that's great about march um you have a slate like we do on on saturday uh which is just about 13 hours after tip of just basketball with huge implications you know every game matters uh everyone's looking to improve seating whether that's for the conference tournament or the uh the madness tournament but the great thing about March is it doesn't slow down. You know, it doesn't slow down for four weeks. So we got this insane slate followed by just the conference tournaments all week. And uh, I always love the conference tournaments just because it's it's almost like the the trailer for March because everyone's kind of getting – everyone's played each other, you know, twice that they're going to play. And you start seeing who uh, who are the men and who are the boys. So um, I just want to ask, what, what tournament are you looking forward to the most here next week? Um, I would probably say the Big East just because I, th- I don't think there's, like, that much of a gap between any of the teams. Like, a team like UConn can go and win it. team like Nova, obviously. Providence is the one seed. There's been every game, I feel like, in the Big East that they play, it's like DePaul will keep it close or any of those. So, I mean – I don't know when that even starts, but at the Garden, everybody's juiced. It should. I think. I think that's going to be a great tournament, personally. But I mean, it always is. Like the Big East tournament is well is known to be like the mecca of tournaments for, from twenty years, thirty years, forty years. So hopefully, it lives up to it again this year. So, is there any teams that you could see getting the auto bid that might not be in? Uh, I know we had Georgia Tech last year and Georgetown, so we had two, right? Yeah. Because I don't think either one of them would have been... Tech was bubbled. They probably would have been a 10 maybe if they didn't win. But, I mean, yeah, Georgetown was 500 basketball team, and they won it. I don't know. What about a team like like a Seton Hall or like a Creighton? I don't know if they're necessarily in already, but like a, a middling team like that or... I don't see one of those middling Big Ten teams winning that tournament. So, like, I I, I don't think any of them are going to be in. ACC, you could see it. Like, a a Virginia Tech going on to win, maybe, because everybody stinks, essentially, this year. What do you you think? So, one that, I mean, call me a homer, but uh, the Irish had that tough loss on Wednesday um, at the hands of a mediocre Florida State team. So, if we want to say that Notre Dame's bubble right now, um, I think they could win the tournament. I mean, they've been a top three team in the ACC all year. Um, We've been talking all year about just 
pr- how bad Prentice Hub has been. Uh, Nick Matei with the Prentice Scrub call out a couple weeks ago, but um, and I know I know most fans would feel this way about their like a middling team or a team that hasn't been dominant. That oh, if we just get going at the right time or these guys start picking it up, I really do think that we could. I know Duke shafted us the last time, but we could go in and beat a Duke, uh, beat a North Carolina. Uh, beat a Virginia, beat those beat those better teams in the ACC. If if Leshevsky's healthy, if Prentice Hub just can figure it out and just take care of the ball, you know we, yeah. we're not asking for eighteen to twenty points a night, um, but I think they could be a team that that does it. I I really don't see. I see maybe four teams in the Big Big Ten that can win it. Uh, Purdue can win it. Wisconsin can win it. Ohio State can win it. There's more than four. Illinois. Illinois. Those are uh, those would be my my big four, um, and I love just looking at these rankings and seeing just Michigan in eighth place in the Big Ten after. Now they're what sixteen and thirteen. Yeah. Yeah. And just, I mean, I thought they were gonna be. I'm not gonna lie. I thought they had a great class. They returned some guys. I thought they were gonna be, you know, a future one seed coming into this year. And they have just been getting tossed around the Big Ten. And um, you love to see it. I know uh, Brennan Beachler's not here today, but um, this kid's been this kid's been preaching them uh, still in, in contention on the bubble for the past three weeks, and they just win one, lose one, win one, lose one. So I think it's official. Uh, all these pundits on ESPN – can stop saying you know another Michigan a couple Michigan wins and they're in. Uh, I think that's finally been put to rest and uh, can can. When's the last time Michigan missed the tournament? Because I know that like they're perennial, but um, I have no idea. Well, the one year they that Notre Dame was the sixth seed that made the Elite Eight run. They beat Michigan as an eleven, so I think they were like a bubble team then. I mean, the Loyola year wasn't that the year after. Or two years after, Michigan was in the Final Four that beat Lyle and lost in the championship. Uh, Trey Burke, that was another Final Four team. Michigan, I mean, probably top three program in the country when it comes to hoops, top three, top five, and uh, from a success standpoint in the Since tournament. the 2010s, Jordan through the Poole, 2010s. Jordan Poole that year. Or Dude, like, Mitch McGarry, Trey Burke, those teams, they had three, four, five NBA players on all those teams. Yeah. Uh, and they always recruit. They always have stacked classes, but um, it's nice to see um, like a team like Purdue kind of take their spot and um, play that deep, well-rounded style of basketball, and just you know show you what they can do throughout the throughout the season. I don't know how far do you, how how far do you see a Purdue going in the tournament? So they've gone cold. I've been on them all year, though. Well, just with their roster construction, I cannot see them like losing to some of these teams. I think I got them probably elite eight at least. And I, I obviously we got to see matchups, but I'm gonna have them. There's, I mean that North Texas game, dude. Last year was tough to. I mean, what in North Texas probably shot the shit out of the ball and just they had, played well. It yeah, was, it wasn't Purdue's night, but I think was that three versus fourteen? Yeah, yeah, or four versus thirteen. Yeah, four versus thirteen, but. I don't know. I think this year will be different. I think they're going to go on a run. They're going to get hot. I think they low-key might win the Big Ten tournament, honestly. And who I, like, 
whoever I, I I mean Illinois last year, I guess that was kind of a fluke because they lost to Loyola. But I think whoever comes out of the Big Ten tournament this year is going to be hot as a pistol going into March. You can see him going on a run. Yeah, that that Big Ten tournament last year was some of the most fun I've had watching college basketball. Yeah. And I'm not a I am not a Big Ten guy, but um, that fi- that Sunday final Illinois, Illinois Ohio State, State yeah. was just an epic game and um i think a lot especially over the past two years where the big 10 has just kind of established their dominance um so is the big 12 but you know the the it's really a part of the acc really falling off because um ever since notre dame joined the acc in 2015 2016 they and not this is not because notre dame i'm just using that as a point of reference but ACC has been the dominant conference. You know what I mean? But you see how SEC has, throughout the year, SEC, Big Ten, dominate the rankings the last two years. And the Big 12 have consistently two or three of the best teams in the country. So I think this Big 12 tournament could be very fun, especially seeing a team like TCU who's just battling. And they've battled their way through Baylor's, Kansas's, all these Texas, the Texas Techs, they've battled Texas. their way to a bubble, you know, onto the bubble. I think they're in right now, low key. They're what nineteen and nine or twenty and nine. And I don't know it off the top of my head, but I'd be willing to bet that they have a, you know, top third, top quarter strength of schedule because it seems like they're playing two games a week against. They got Texas Tech and then at Kansas, and then they got Texas at home, and then, you know, they go to Baylor. And they've been they've been right there. Um, so a team like that is a team you don't think of going into the going into the conference tournament. They're a team that, like a Georgia Tech last year out of the ACC, that can, you know, fuck around and win it. Those are the teams. Well, a team like TCU, if they get on, like, the nine line, like, and they win that first game, it's going to, like make some noise on that one seed game in the second round. Like, those those middling conference teams that get hot, like, that play in good conferences, uh, I don't know Rutgers per se, but, like, a sim- in a similar mindset, like, that is a team that you don't want to face because the teams that have lost some bad ones but have shown they can beat anybody, mm-hmm. literally anybody, and that... I mean, again, it all depends on seeding, but that teams like that could be a tough matchup for a one. Yeah. Um, so, I was going to make a point about um, when you're saying the ACC is down. All right, so what did Notre Dame join in 2015? They won it their first year in it. Since then, but just from winning a national championship-wise, that was the year Okafor and them won because they beat Kaminsky. Um, so that's one, Natty. Then you had the Bryce Johnson North Carolina team. They beat Gonzaga. They beat Gonzaga. That's two. And then you had Virginia. Virginia. That's three in the last seven years. Three natties in the last six years. Six tournaments or five, six or five or six tournaments with the one canceled. And then right. we haven't even had this one yet. Like that's that's pretty damn good for a conference, and it shows how good it was. And now, I don't know who who can win it. Duke, I guess this year. That's that's about it. Yeah, and. God, I know we, this is the first time we've mentioned Duke, but um, well, I don't know how how our fans feel, um, our listeners, but I'm gonna thoroughly enjoy Coach K just 
in retirement, yeah. getting the hell out of college basketball. Um, I think it's not all his fault. Like, he's a dickhead, and he's annoying, and all he does is complain. But it's how everyone treats him, and everyone just puts him on this pedestal like he's the second coming. Um, I mean, you see, even uh, if Duke is playing, I don't know, Virginia. I hate Virginia. But I am partial enough to say that, wow, Virginia is getting screwed. And it seems like every team that comes up against a Krzyzewski-led Duke team just gets shafted by the officials. Everyone on ESPN, wherever they're playing, they're not even talking about the game. They just talk about Coach K and his yeah. and his greatness. And it's like, yeah, he's a he's a hell of a coach, but you know, it helps to have four of the top 25 recruits on your squad every year. You know what I mean? And I'm going to thoroughly enjoy him leaving and... Um, I really don't think I could I could handle them going on a run because it's just going to be insufferable. You know what I mean? The yeah, coverage the, is going to be insufferable. They they the, get they the make dream, an elite eight. The dream run for Duke. The, the last dance. Last, yeah. last dance. Like if they make it past the Sweet Sixteen, you you won't even know who else is in the Elite Eight. Like if yeah. you're a casual fan, because you'll you'll just think it's Duke playing Duke, and then the winner of. Duke versus Duke plays Duke. You know what I mean? Because all that's all they're going to be talking about. Um, but did, have they talked about who's taking over? John Shire. John Shire. Yeah, he's that's a, right. He's a Chicago suburb kid. Oh yeah. Yeah. But so he's I, they already appointed him essentially. And Duke's Duke's class like or next year like it's the best in the country. Or like I think they got like number two, number four, number seven, yeah. like just already under Shire. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, and um, going back to, you know, horses for these conference tournaments, a team that I always love come March, not because I like the school or the team or the coach, but just because I love the way they get up and down is Syracuse. You know, Syracuse is always a thorn in everyone's side because it seems like over the past decade or so they have they've been flirting with more eight nine and tens than one two and three seeds but uh they're the last team you want you the last thing you want to do is have to get out of your rhythm spend a whole week practicing against the 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 syracuse zone you know what i mean just to get prepped for that game and then quick two-day turnaround or next day turnaround in the conference tournament and get right back into you know your new sets for man-to-man. Syracuse could be a team that could make noise in the ACC tournament this year because, I mean, who do, they, who do they got to go through? I mean, Notre Dame's got a good squad, but, like, you know what I mean? We're not some, like, powerhouse. So, like, they could you could easily drop a game to Syracuse or, like, Syracuse could easily beat Miami to get to, like, the semifinals or something and like. another point about them is you don't have to – it's not like, oh, you, you know, a Virginia or a Notre Dame – threw up a shitter so they lost to Syracuse like every team in the ACC including Duke is capable of playing a good game and still losing to Syracuse yeah. because they just get up and down and they shoot the lights out yeah so I think they're a team to watch in the tournament um I don't know if they're set up for a, a bye um they might have to go run the gauntlet but they're probably in the seven or eight range if I had to guess so probably gonna have to play Duke honestly yeah if they're eight I would love just Duke getting bounced first round of the tournament. Yeah. That would be great. Um, let's see here. Um, Big 12 tournament. We talked TCU. Um, is Baylor still the favorite? I mean, 
this Baylor team did that Nova so that Nova team won and then lost to North Carolina the next year, right? And North Carolina won it all against Gonzaga. That's what this Baylor team reminds me of. Like they're a good good squad, but like obviously not they're not gonna come anywhere near that level last year. And Chachua got injured, so like that's, that's one big. of their key pieces, which hurt. And obviously they've they've played great ball this year. They showed they could. They went undefeated for like twenty games. But I don't know. They're I just think Kansas is too good, even though TCU just beat them and they put up a great game last night too. They're Kansas won by four. I like I like Kansas on that same line as Purdue. Like have the I'm probably gonna have them going far this year. So I think they're I mean, I bet you they're the betting favorite anyways. Yeah. I haven't even looked, but yeah, that that's where I'd put Baylor, honestly, in that same boat. Yeah, and um Nick, who was on last week, uh Nicky Hitters, uh obviously he gave us some if you caught last last episode, he gave us a pretty thorough breakdown on Wisconsin basketball. Um, that's his team. He's a Badger. And um, coming into the year, Wisconsin had the second worst odds to win this Big Ten, um, the gauntlet that is the Big Ten. And there's if if you're on that team or affiliated with that team, there's no better way to clinch the Big Ten than beating the best team in the Big Ten on a shot like that, you know. Chucky with the with the bank the bank was open late in was that in Madison right that was in Madison yeah, um, yeah the bank stayed open late um, past was that about two, eleven two shots in a row and um, yeah Ivy tried to just put the team on his back he did and yeah. Hepburn just got the last laugh but uh, what a story this Wisconsin team has been all year like they're undersized at the guard and forward positions. Um, it's really just been Johnny Davis and then, you know, six role players in the uh, rotation going up against the Purdue's of the world with, you know, multiple seven-footers and big NBA-sized guards. And uh, somehow, even with Brad Davidson's bum ass on playing 35 minutes a night, they, they won the regular season in the Big Ten, and, and props to them. Yeah, I mean, this team, I've honestly... I had to say that I've doubted them all year. I'm like, there's no way they can keep, like, they can't score, they can't do this, they can't do that, and every game they just come out and just beat everybody. So, I mean, like you said, props to them, and they're if they go to the Big Ten final, that would probably poise them to be a one. And if you think about it, they're at least damn near close, maybe the best two, put them in that five line against the worst, or whatever, the worst one. I... Wisconsin's going to be a team, as they've shown, they've been a, a successful program in March, too. So, And Guard guard was the coach against uh, Notre Dame back five years ago, right? He's been there for a decent amount of time. I don't think that was Bo Ryan. So he's, I mean, he's coached some teams in March like, yeah. that have gone on runs. They're going to be, I think they're going to make some noise as compared to some of these other Big Ten teams. I don't know. And, I mean, that's another thing is I've ragged on Davison just because it's easy to and it seems like it always takes him half an hour to get into the game to actually get off the bus, but he's a guy capable of, you know, strapping it on in March, um, much like the Bronson Canings of the world, you know, have done for Badger teams in the past. So, um, you know, you can no longer really use those same, 
you know, oh, they're undersized. They're not going to be able to keep up pace with Purdue and with Illinois. You can't really say that anymore because they just have. You yeah. know, they have consistently um, to their way to a, you know, season title in the Big Ten. So, um, plus you talk about a, a perennial, you know, top five, six, seven seed in the tournament almost every year. Um, very experienced program in March. So, yeah, I mean, sky's the limit for this Wisconsin team. As as many holes as it might seem like they have, um, you know, Al Davis just win, baby. Everybody, you know? Everybody's got holes this year. So, I mean, one team that, I mean, they, they have been successful, but you just don't know is Gonzaga. But they, they, what, they've gone to the finals twice in the last four years. And they're going to be the number one overall again this year. They're they're not losing in the West Coast tournament. Even if they did, they'd probably still be one. Do you think? Do you think they're going to go on another Final Four run? Well, I I honestly can't remember a specific instance and in where I looked at a bracket that I was filling out and Gonzaga wasn't a one seed. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it's just every year they're a one seed. Um, they play great all year, and unless you are a Gonzaga fan or live on the West Coast, they fly under the radar for most, you know, for most college basketball fans. You know they're very good because they have the personnel, but you just kind of, it's kind of like two through 25. You know what I mean? For a lot of the season, because they spend so much time at number one. Uh, it's kind of so like, late too. Nobody watches. Exactly, them. exactly. So, you know, for us, it's like, oh, we just watched three hours of college basketball, maybe start doing something else, maybe actually do something productive and not catch the 11 o'clock Gonzaga versus San Francisco game. Yeah. But um, it's pretty – they're almost like the Patriots, except for you know being able to win that one. <laughs> but uh, just always be in there. And I never – I'm never one of those guys that's, oh, they don't play anyone, they're not – because if you just watch them play for 10 minutes in any game, you will know that they are a top – three or four team in the country yeah. and Ken Palm and all the advanced metrics it's not like they're number one because they're record you look at you know what I mean you look at their efficiency ratings and every time they're number one they're top three in those in those metrics so that accounts for who they're playing and you know obviously they went down to St. Mary's double digits and I didn't check but that's got to be maybe like the first time that they've lost by double digits uh, in conference in a while under what's his name um, Mark Few under Mark Few Miss Uncle DUI yeah have you did you see that the footage of that no what did, did Mark, he say he was like the coach at Gonzaga or yeah something? he was yeah. he was playing the, the he was playing the coach Gonzaga and he wanted his lawyer um, they were just giving him like some base sobriety test and he wanted his lawyer really bad and they're like sir what do you what do you need a lawyer for you know what I mean we're just asking you you know to stand up and yeah. and kind of talk to me right now uh he was rinsed and it was it was maybe the week after the national championship loss yeah, so he was yeah he was hitting the bottle like uh we talk a lot about these college basketball coaches and the and their relationship with um with spirits i mean bas basketball as a as a game overall is gotta be the most stressful thing to coach so no wonder why they're all alcoholics <laughs> and but. i was saying this the other night um just any time you're watching a uh, Michigan State game, uh, I said that Tom Izzo looks like he's he's got a heart attack about 10 years ago, and it's just never ended. Yeah. And he's just been in this habitual 
heart attack for the better part of a decade. I get, I get nervous that we're going to see like him die on TV. Dude, especially every game, it's not. Was that the play-in game last year when everyone was all over him because the way he was berating one of the players? Um, I don't even he, know. Because he's one of those guys that he gets rad. You know what I mean? He's always looking like he's choking, but when he gets really amped or really pissed, he turns bright red, and it looks like he's you know about to you know reach for his chest and just keel over. Um, yeah. Uh, Another guy, Brad Underwood, uh, looks like he is he is he might have a worse temper than Izzo. Underwood's he, psycho. He is psycho. Um, who's the guy you always say is his like little whipping boy? Coleman Hawkins. Coleman Hawkins. Yeah, yeah, that's that that kid just like takes the brunt of it for everybody else just to calm him down. He like dribbles the basketball and Underwood just starts just tears him a new asshole for no reason. Just comes off. Yeah, there's this. It reminds me of this. Uh, there's this video. Um, I think it might have been some like David Dobrik video, but this guy pulls up. This guy pulls up to uh, their car and starts like rolls down his window and he's complete. He's right, you know, equidistant with the front seats of Dobrik's car. Yeah. And there's this like f- little fat guy in the back seat. And the guy just turns to this fat guy and just starts chewing him out. You fucking fat piece of bacon, you piece of shit. Learn how to drive. And and the guy kind of, they turn the camera and he, he's like, I wasn't even driving. <laughs> he's like, why is he mad at me? Yeah. You know what I mean? And it kind of seems like that where it's just, uh, I don't want to show like public, a public display of just ass chewing to, you know, Kofi or Curbelo. Yeah. So it, it, it's all going on Hawkins. Yeah, you know what I mean? It makes sense like, that he has a whipping boy because if I was coaching Curbelo, I think I'd need one too. I don't know. but Yeah, he's the kind of guy you just want to grab him, just choke hold, yeah. and just put him to sleep. But um, is – so obviously we, we, or we have buddies at, at Illinois. And, um, I mean, I was excited. I wanted to go down there for uh, if they made a run. Yeah. And I was talking to, talking to Ray – about going down there at the Sweet 16 because I just think that school wouldn't sleep. You know, it would be a hell of a time. Uh, only to get absolutely dominated in the round of 32 and not even really come close to the Sweet 16 because they got handled by Loyola. Um, again, they're very similar team. Obviously, no IO. Very similar team as they were last year. I really don't see any any huge differences in the way they play. Obviously, priority number one get Kofi a mismatch down low and just ideally give it to him every single time because that's your best. You know, if you get Kofi 25 shots, you know, single guarded, just back to the basket, that's probably, you're probably going to win, you know, the difference is, 90% I mean, of those games. Kofi's top three big in college basketball. But, I mean, without Io, I can't even... Like count how many game winners that guy hit for Illinois. Like in some of these like tight Big Ten games, like he was their closer. Just it's like yeah, I got it. Just put it on his back. Just one like one dribble crossover mid range jumper. Just gaming like Iowa like countless times. So the difference is is are their guards gonna be able to step up? Frazier's been there, but I mean Plummer. It's gonna come down to if they're in a close game, one of those two is gonna have to hit some sort of a Williams a three or. But I you don't you don't really see Williams creating his own shot. Like if if they if they needed somebody to like create their own shot, Kofi can't obviously. 
So it's going to be one of those two guards. That could be dependent. Probably Frazier. If they, yeah, it'll probably be Frazier. Their run could be dependent on if one of those guys can step up. Like, because that, that's what March is. People, all these dudes step up and hit these big shots in big moments. And that's that's how you move on. So, Even if um, you're an experienced team. I... I had a I had a take um, might have been a month and a half ago now, um, so I it, it got kind of turned into a big story because Demar drove down to Champagne for it when they retired or hung uh, Io's jersey in the rafters. Um, my, my take on it was kind of like if he wasn't playing for the Bulls and he wasn't from Chicago, he would not have his his jersey raised in those rafters he won he beat a 16 seed that was his one i get i mean they would have made the tournament the year before though that got canceled depends yeah but they didn't it didn't happen i mean i love i love reminiscing and and you know kind of daydreaming about you know a dayton run to the final four from that but i mean you got to let it go i know they they won a big 10 championship and he was a huge part of that but are are we really retiring guys' jerseys that were very good players and won one one playoff it's, game? It's more so what he did for the program because growing up, what since obviously they had a good team and when they made it to the championship, but since then they were dog shit. They had nothing. You come and Io is comes out of Chicago, goes there and kind of revitalizes the program. They're getting recruits now again because they're good again. He was the reason why they're good again. So it makes sense for what what he did for the program in general. They've had four straight winning seasons now, top half of the Big Ten every year, and a top seed in March. So that's I coming from that perspective, I think that's why they did it. Yeah, and I just I'm I'm led to believe that if Io DeSumo and I, I have a lot of a lot of hope in that young man. I think he's a very good young man. He's a great player. He gets. He's doing great things for the Bulls right now, and he's just um, kind of flirting with uh, you know rookie of the year conversation. Or, I mean, all rookie first team. And I just think if if Io Jusumu was at Illinois, out of Milwaukee, and is now playing for like the Magic, I don't know that he's. I think there's a lot of ex- the external things that worked out well in terms of where he's from and where he went after that kind of kind of led to this like lore behind him yeah i do he has done good things for the program but you know we're not hanging uh we're not hanging you know steve vasturia jerseys who he averaged 18 points a game was acc first team his senior year and went to an elite eight he won what six playoff games with us he and Notre Dame and Illinois, both programs that have had their, you know, long droughts of being pretty, you know, me, been mediocre programs for a majority of their existence. Um, I just think if you, you find a comp like Demetrius Jackson, you know, like we're not yeah. we're not hanging that rafter in in our pavilion over over in South Bend. Like, I think the weird part was that they did it er- like so early. Like he barely even played in the NBA yet, and they're already hanging it. I don't know. I don't know what the process is. I don't know if does Archie Diakono have his jersey in Nova. I don't know. I I, I didn't see that. But like, like if Kofi or if Io's up there, then 
then same time next year, you're going to have to book Kofi's. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, he's done probably more, not in, like on the court, that is. And I mean, I think the main thing about hanging a jersey above the court is what that player did on the court. Yeah. The you Yankees know? also just retired Paul O'Neill, so they're yeah, that was weird. We're, we're retiring a lot of jerseys recently, but and I I was wondering because I looked into it and they retire like players and not jerseys because I think it was like the number twenty one. There's been like eight players in U of I history that have their jersey retired. They were all number twenty one. You know what I mean? So it's not like no one's gonna wear his number again. Yeah, but you just put the. Iodesumo eleven was it number eleven? Yeah. Iodesumo number eleven, you know, up in the rafters. And uh Well if it's I don't know. if it's from that standpoint, then Kofi will be up there next year. Yeah. If they do it like that. But I mean I would as a as just a, a hater, I would love to see them get bounced again yeah. in the second round. I'd love to see Curbello just lay an egg, Kofi you know, miss 10 free throws and them just go down to... Curbelo with the back-breaking turnover <laughs> yeah. like that Marquette game yeah. earlier in the year. Well, you know who had that back-breaking turnover last year? Had a couple of them was Io. Yeah. Io was getting cookied last year. I I know you can't play great every night and you can't expect them to, but I just see a lot of similarities. And while they're capable of making a run, I would not be surprised if, if we see another... Sweet 16 at the latest from from U of I. I think Purdue, because of their depth, is out of the big has the highest ceiling out of the Big Ten. Um, we'll see. I think Purdue and Wisconsin. I'll take them both um, over or more wins than than Illinois. Wisconsin has the experience and the uh, the age. You know, they're all older guys. I mean, Illinois is a pretty pretty vet team too, but. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, it'll be it'll be a fun March. I I'm can't wait till next Sunday when we just get to see the bracket, and hopefully hopefully both the Irish and the Flyers are in there. So that would be great. Yeah. Um, but uh, we could do. Uh, I think what we'll do is we'll make a uh, a bra- uh, split and gaps bracket challenge. Do a bracket where uh, we'll do like unlimited entries for uh, for our followers and for our listeners. And uh, maybe we could do some sort of giveaway. Um, you know, whoever wins it, uh, that could be fun. You know, yeah. keep track of on the on the Instagram page. Um, we'll find a way to do it and uh, get that. Like, just a uh, a public one. You yeah. know what I mean? I gotcha. Um, see what comes of that. Like last year, um, our IM leagues had the uh, the bracket channel. I think there was like 240 brackets, and I was not sniffing top 50 for most, but I just had. Baylor over Gonzaga in the championship, um, so I won it and then got. Fa- they faded me. I was supposed to win a hundred dollar Grubhub gift card. They faded me. Um, it's fine. Uh, on to the next. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's nothing like that first Thursday, Friday of the tournament. Uh, going back to like high school when you'd have you'd be in class, but you're really not in class because it's eleven and you're watching you know Michigan State play. Uh, Georgia State, you know, at 11.30, and it's ups- you get the first upset alert on your phone, and it's always in the first slate of games. You know what I mean? It's not well, like you have to wait long it's for even it. It's going to be like, that's going to come up on Tuesday when you're going to get the, the St. John's versus DePaul at like 11 a.m. Mm-hmm. That 
It's like it's like a gambler's like wet dream. Just being <laughs> able to to watch some bum ass school and just betting like first half points over, like DePaul. Just sitting there sweating it out at like twelve at noon on like a Tuesday. Yeah, it's gonna be yeah, it's gonna be like that for the next month. Yeah, I I do think it's the it's the greatest tournament in all of sports. I don't think there's even a tournament that comes close in any sport in any country. That they they comes probably close got some this. something with cricket in India, but I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. the uh, The polo tournament in England it's probably electric. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, nah. There's there's no way any any. And it always like I the one kind of thing that always, the one thing that kind of upsets me, to no fault of March Madness own, is it's the most democratic tournament in sports, where any team from any conference can win it. You know what I mean? They will get the opportunity to win it and it always just leads me back to how shit the college football playoff format is because you have a team from uh I know I know since he made it, but you have a, you know, a, a team from a non-power 5 conference that goes 13 and 0 with a conference championship and not get a bid. You know what I mean? And it's like here if you are playing in the last conference in division 1 and you win that tournament, you have a shot. You know, it's not going to be easy and we I don't know who the how many non-power 5 teams we've had win it, but you have a shot. You know what I mean? And it's just that shooter's chance, the big dance. Um, there's something very romantic about March Madness and and even the conference tournaments. So it's we're we're in for a couple weeks, uh, better part of a month of just beauty. You know, at just sports, the sport, the beauty of the sports world and, and college sports. Um, yeah, we're gonna be skipping a lot of class in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, uh, you made a comment about how you thought uh, seniors here were probably shooting at about a sixty percent clip in terms of going to class. Yeah. Uh, I think we're going to be flirting with more like 33% yeah. come uh, come the rest of March. But, I mean, a good, a decent part we'll be home for for break, which will help in terms yeah. of attendance. But um, I hate to say it, but this would be a great time to have online class. You know what I mean? Yeah. be a great time. But uh, not to say that I'm not going to be just going to class and watching it the entire time on my computer. But, um, yeah, I mean, this is going to be very fun. Um, hopefully we get our episode in next week, uh, which will be about halfway through the conference tournaments, right? Cause they'll be all, most of the championships will be on Sunday. A couple will be done Saturday, Friday. Um, but I did want to, and this is on a completely different, more dour note, but they just moved back opening day, which is just a shit shit place to be for major league baseball because um opening day and having that established date for opening day and you have you know the real the the real you know diehard fans they're getting a feel for the team for spring training for a couple weeks you know and you're learning and getting to know these new guys that came in and your new deadline pickups or your not your deadline pickups your offseason pickups but just seeing that okay march 31st is no longer opening day we're no longer going to see baseball in the month of March, at least, is, I mean, it's it's a joke. It's The way baseball is handling this is a joke. I saw that the final thing that they wanted ironed out in the agreement 
was the minimum player salary, and they got it to within the range of seven twenty-five um, thousand and what was it six eighty-five that the owners were going with. So just knowing that uh, there's about a forty thousand dollar discrepancy that might put off that's going to put off million hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue seems so so elementary and so just precocious and stupid you know yeah well what baseball is the worst of them all where when it comes down to it like what two years ago they were the absolute heel of american sports while all of these other teams when we're in the middle of a heightened pandemic no one knows what's going on we have nothing to watch like the nba they're like all right let's iron this out bubble Let's do this, do that, get in there, play. We're going to put on a product for America. We're going to make money. We're going to entertain. NFL figured it out, bubble, whatever. NHL figured it out, bubble, playoffs. Well, who's who's winning the cup? Good for Tampa Bay. You got the MLB sitting here. They lost 100 games to that season. They played a 60-game season that year. And that is that is awful when all these other leagues are able to figure it out there there's the mlb back of the pack and look look where we're at again i mean what did, what did you expect when the cba ended everybody was hint, like, like yeah this the contract's over is definitely gonna be a lockout yeah we're it's run by idiots i mean there's yeah there's there's so many parts it's to it just that are like just awful. it's like a microcosm of just like the one percent you know what i mean like these one percenters that own these teams are just the biggest dickheads like it seems like none of them actually give a f- like NFL owners and not just Jerry Jones because he's kind of the face of this but they love it yeah, you know well, they want to win and they there are so I'd say the majority of owners in baseball they don't care if they win a world series or make a pennant or go on a pennant run yeah. uh, or get in the pennant race they really don't care but if they're I, like, if they're you know house is getting paid off point on that is I mean, there's obviously there's so many things wrong with the Bears, but Virginia McCaskey's 96 years old and she hasn't missed a Bears game in ever. Like yeah. she's had every game like since World War II. Rooting on her her team, and I mean, obviously we could. That's a whole different ballpark. But like from a passion standpoint, as an owner, like you want to see that from your owners, and that the MLB is is a whole different ballgame when it comes to that. And just knowing that, so two out of the last not not, not to uh, not to be a pun there, but. <laughs> Two out of three years, um, my White Sox future win total overs, of course, not betting any unders there, um, are going to get voided. So I had them over 84 and a half two years ago, got voided because they had 60 games. Last year, smacked over 88 or over 89 and a half, smacked. And this year, I put one in for 92 and a half in um, maybe a month ago. Um, that's going to be voided because it's based on a 162-game season. So I don't know what we're looking at. I mean, I don't think anyone does. you got guys like Bob Nightingale just reporting on this and being completely and utterly wrong on everything, and they're putting it out as fact. So um, Ian Happ seemed somewhat um, confident about getting this season on within the next month and a half. Um, and obviously he knows it better than anyone because he's playing. But I think he also might be the Cubs player rep for the player association. Yeah, too. I think he might. So, I mean, we'll see, dude. It's just so shit as a Sox fan that's waited so long for this. You know, if I would still be upset, but if we're talking like the 20, you know, 17 White Sox right now, 
I'm not losing any sleep over it because it's like, oh, now we'll only lose 90 games instead of 100. You know what I mean? But for a team that it's like we're right at our cusp and and our pinnacle and we're this is the year that we had built for like last year um you know we we won our division and we got played the astros got bounced but that was almost you know we were a little ahead of schedule with how well we played last year even with the injuries but this was supposed to be like the first year of the fully realized you know new look white Sox. i mean it's it's shit and it's shit for everyone the, and I bet Reinstorf set the helm of all these owner problems. Oh yeah, and I, I'm pretty sure he was kind of when we had our the best team since '05 in '94. He was at the helm of that shit too. And Frank Thomas was having like one of the greatest seasons of all time. Our team was unbelievable. And strike, season canceled. You know what I mean? And it's like to think that that'll happen again. And all these, uh, all these talks are just always seem to happen right when we get good and they're few and far between, you know what I mean? But I don't know. Uh, baseball needs, needs a new look. Manfred needs to, uh, take his way to a train station and get in front of a train instead of on it. He's the worst commissioner in big four sports of maybe ever in our lifetime. Yeah. He's pretty shit. For sure. In our lifetime, even like, even like a guy like Adam Silver comes in for Stern, and he looks like freaking Voldemort. He's one of the creepiest people, and you feel like, oh, this guy's a weirdo. But he knows how to get it done. You know what I mean? And and I know there's not. I'm not the biggest NBA guy. I love I love watching you know the some of the best athletes in the world play. But if I'm if I was as big a NBA fan as I was a baseball fan. What am I mad about? You know what I mean? What am I mad about from top down in the way they want run their association? There's really nothing. You know what I mean? There's no gripes to have because they just consistently put out the best product in North American sports and they're so far and ahead of baseball in terms of you know player happiness, the ability for guys to move around and get the contracts they want, and sometimes it seems like it's like that guy just signed a supermax. You know what I mean? Like to like Tobias Harris getting you know three hundred million. Pools on yeah. the hook for a, a yeah, nice like super. you know what I mean? These middling guys that are grabbing like hundred you know nine figure contracts, it's crazy. But uh, it's a testament to the product that they've built. And I just I always have had this hope that people can understand how great a game baseball is. I mean, you go around, and I think this goes for most places, but you're driving around, you know, your neighborhood. There's kids at every park playing basketball. Baseball fields are empty, you know, except for nighttime summer games. You might see one kid, you know, out with his dad where he's tossing him some BP or hitting him grounders. But um, it's it it starts at a young age where you just fall in love with a certain sport, and it's way easier to fall in love with basketball because you're watching the NBA, and they're exciting. And baseball has the potential, in my opinion, as a diehard baseball fan, as someone that played baseball their whole life, to be up, you know, maybe not as big just because it's not as available. I was talking about this the other day. You can't just, you know, go find a pickup game. You know, it's way easier to get into basketball because yeah. you could just do it anywhere with anyone. But I just feel like they have the potential to be, especially with these youngins, you know, the, the Fernando Tatises and the Otanis that are just putting on, really putting on for for the entire they're, baseball. They're specimens that have been never never seen before. And the they're game. the exciting, you know, factor of the game is coming back towards, like, 
steroid era yeah. uh, excitement with these young guys that could just do it all, these five-tool guys. And I just I feel like they they could be up there with the NBA and get guys that, you know, didn't play baseball or aren't that into baseball watching, you know, playoff baseball or you know, finding a team if they don't if they weren't raised a certain fan, you know, finding a team that they like or like, you know, even if it's some, you know, you're a bandwagon Padres guy because you're some, you know, 10-year-old that loves Fernando Tatis and you start playing baseball. You know, like it has the potential because it's such a great game and they just refuse to let themselves succeed from the top down and yeah. it's to no fault of the players um especially considering to, uh, back to the nba especially considering like these they're looking at their counterparts in the nba and what they're getting paid and how they're able to move and be fluid throughout the league yeah i would i would want more money too yeah. you know i would want my i would want my minimum salary when i come up from triple a after being ho- uh being treated like you know a second class citizen uh, in terms of you know facilities and and housing and all the, the all these things for them, I would be yeah yeah up my minimum contract. You know what I mean? Like I'm gonna be playing 162 games, not 80, and you guys won't give me forty thousand more dollars. You know, like also from a, a negotiating standpoint, nobody can do what they can do. It's not like it's not like factory workers going on strike where they can hire replacements and they get rid of the union type of thing. It's like that's not how it works. You can't pull some kid off the street and tell him to turn two. Like <laughs> that it's it's different. So like if you're if you're arguing from like the owner's side, like the millionaires, billionaires type of thing, you're anti labor because that makes no sense. Like why would you not the majority have they have a bargaining tool that they can play this sport that no one else can. So at a level that no one else can. They're obviously gonna gonna be dug in their heels on issues when it comes to pay. When there's so much so much wrong, like you said, with minor leagues, all that all that thing, and you got these owners of some of these teams that are just insufferable, honestly. But yeah, uh, there's a lot a lot to fix there. Um, I don't know what an overhaul would look like. You know, if I don't know who would be at the forefront. And at you know of that because just the owners hold so much power and Manfred is the little you know the little crone of all the the billionaire owners. Um, at this point, I'm just praying for baseball. You know, I want I want to be able to go to you know 85 degree weather games at the at you know the G spot all summer with the boys getting you know bleachers and brews. Um, yeah, they're in a bad place. Someone needs. I, at this point, I don't know that a strike would be the worst thing. You know what I mean? Like, because I think that's the way that they would actually change. I would hope that they don't, just because it would put a bigger dent in the season. But when the Sox are no longer good, go on strike yeah. to make baseball better. Um, but yeah, uh, we'll get off that note and leave you with the with the fact that we have four weeks of the greatest greatest uh tournament and run of of sports in the world the conference tournaments and then the march madness tournament um so yeah uh you got anything else for us mart no i'm good with that yeah we'll be uh we'll be back next week uh recapping you know what we'd seen so far from the conference tournaments and uh yeah we're out